What I want to do today is, is I want to open up how we can have good conversations about God by talking about people like Katie Price and Paris Hilton. H hands up if you've heard of Paris Hilton. Hands up if you've heard of Katie Price. Hands up if you've met Katie Price. I, I want to help us to talk about the Christian faith in ways that, that aren't cheesy and embarrassing. And um, for me, it's, it's been a struggle uh, to do this well. But I wanted to say a bit about the ministry that I'm working with. Um, I am actually very fortunate that I'm paid to research stories about Paris Hilton, Katie Price, Robbie Fowler, Wayne Rooney, because I want to connect with people when I talk about God. And so for me, the research is absolutely vital. And we've been um, invited to do our storytellings in Australia, uh, New Zealand, Korea, Spain, and Holland, because we've had a lot of interest in how do we tell stories in such a way that, that we get a way into people's lives that isn't embarrassing and kind of, oh, no, I don't want to talk about God. And I, I found this challenging myself. And also, we've had some radio features. Uh, we've been on radio uh, last year three times with a Christian message going up to a million people on local radio stations. So last Christmas Day, we had a, a five-minute feature that I was involved in that went up to a, up to a million people using storytelling as the key technique. So storytelling is incredibly powerful for communicating the Christian faith. Now, I remember when my son was a baby, I went through a challenging time. It wasn't just the changing of nappies. I did have that exploding nappy that was awful. Ben will understand that. But at that time, I was also struggling um, to to share my faith. I, I became a Christian at university, and I wanted to talk about God and Jesus, but when I did it, it just sounded incredibly cheesy. Did you recognize what I'm saying? It just sounds naff. So what I did, I hope this doesn't offend you, is I stopped talking about God, because it sounded really embarrassing. And I've met loads and loads of Christians who've said this to me, that I don't really talk about my faith because it just kind of sounds so odd and not very interesting and a bit naff. So I wanted to kind of really think about this issue, and so it drove me to scriptures. And I want to just for about five minutes talk briefly about the parables, and then I want to get back to Katie and Paris. Are you all with me who I'm talking about, Katie and Paris? They're not close personal friends of mine, but I was once in a plane and I saw a woman reading OK Magazine. And who was on the front of OK Magazine? Katie Price. At the time, I didn't even know how to connect with her. And I wish now I'd have thought more deeply about how I can enter into people's worlds by talking about what they love talking about. 
So this is a very, very simple idea I'd like to plant in your minds, that the best mission is when you connect with the things people really like talking about. It could be their stamp collection, it could be their ferrets, they put down their trousers, but somehow we have to connect with the things that people love. Are you with me? But if you start with Daniel and the Tigers, they, they go, what? Because we're not building a bridge into their world. So here's one parable. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is truly trained will be like their teacher. So here we have a very simple representation of the parable, but all I'd like you to notice is that the parable includes two questions. So parables are not merely stories, they also include questions. One of the most simple parables says this, what do you think? Do you see what's happening? He's asking a question. Then he says, if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? Just notice that there are two questions in the parable. Another one. What do you think? Again, do you see how Jesus begins the parable with a question? He doesn't just say, this is what I think. He says, what do you think? That gives it a different point of entry, which is very helpful for mission. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. And then Jesus asks another question, which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. So here, please just notice the method of teaching that Jesus employs. He asks a question, he tells a parable, and then he asks another question. And finally, he hints at the meaning of the parable. Here's the summary, and I could spend hours and hours talking about this, but this is the key thing. There's a question, there's a story, there's a question, and then there's what we call a spiel. Spiel is German for a little saying. Yeah? Wir können alles auf Deutsch sagen. I could even do the sermon in German to impress you, but I'm not going to do that. That's pretentious, isn't it? Thank you. Now, again, to finish my point, you know that, you know this Matthew 7 passage? Look, at, look again, but just focus upon the method. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? Please just notice again, what do we have here? We have two questions. 
And I believe it's very, very important that we notice how Jesus communicates. He doesn't just say, let me tell you what I think. This is my view. Uh, I'd like you to know this particular... He doesn't do that. He asks questions. So here's a summary of a longer passage that you could look at in your own in Matthew 22. Jesus asks some quite complicated questions. He says, what do you think about the Christ when he's speaking to some Pharisees? And then he says, whose son is he? And they respond. And then he says, how is it that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? Now he's referring back to one of the Psalms. And then he says, if then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? Do you, do you see my point? That Jesus is continually asking these questions. And if we had time, I'd love you, you know, because you'd win a toaster if you got the right answer. I'd like to ask you, how many questions do you think he asks in the Gospel of Mark? Have gone, have a stab. 35, that's very, very good. That's an excellent guess. It's a bit more than that. No, it's not 200, no. But that is great. That is very good. Yeah, it's actually 50. And then in Matthew's Gospel, you get a two-week holiday in Burnley if you get the right answer here. And that is, that is as good as I'm going. Okay, it's, it's 82 questions. So all I want you to see is that the parables of the kingdom, I could talk for hours about them, but Jesus tells these imaginative stories and then he asks great questions. And I don't think we think nearly enough about this when we do mission and discipleship. So how can we do this today? Now, what I want to do now is not so much speak about Scripture, but about our culture and how we communicate. These are four of my best friends, Denise, Sam, Sally, and Tina. And they love to go shopping. And I always give them a fiver. I say, go out, girls, and have a great time with the fiver. And you can buy some great things with a fiver. The first thing I'm doing is I'm actually trying to begin with the world in which we live. Why do I do this? Because teaching St. Mark's Gospel for years has taught me that if you just go on about the Bible, people get bored and wary and they don't connect. We have to connect Scripture to the world that we live in. Are you with me? Very simple idea. We have to make a, build a bridge. Build a bridge between God's Word and God's world. And we don't do enough of this. So a bit of thinking first. The first thing I believe we've got to do in mission is to unpack what I call the Western religion. And I, I do this all the time with people. And it's, people find it really fascinating. We work, we buy, we consume, we die. And the way to explain it very simply, please bear with me for two minutes, a philosopher called Thomas Hobbes, he talked a bit like that, because he came from Wiltshire, 
All right, he's up, turnips. No, he, did, he actually spoke more like me. He was born in 1588, which I'm sure you know was the year of the Spanish Armada. Are you with me? And he nailed it. Thomas Hobbes, he basically nailed this Western religion by saying, the universe is corporeal, all that is real is material, and what is not material is not real. So what Hobbes is saying here is, everything is just physical. It's just material. And then he said, life is but a motion of limbs. For what is the heart but a spring, and the nerves but so many strings, and the joints so many wheels giving motion to the whole body? What Hobbes is saying here is that you are just a machine. Did you get the idea? Everything is a machine, the universe, and you are merely a machine. And then he said, this is where it's really very, very contemporary. The value or worth of a man or a woman is as of all other things, his price. You're only worth, yes, what the market will pay for you. As in other things, so in men, not the seller, but the buyer determines the price. For let a man, as most men do, rate themselves the highest value they can, yet their true value is no more than it is esteemed by others. Do you see what this is saying? Mark, your value is only what I and my friends give to you, Mark. This is what Hobbes was saying back in the 1600s. And we have to help people to understand this story. Because when we do, it's much easier to tell them about the Christian story. You have to unmask this story. So let's have a look at how we can sum it up in a simple way. Physical nature is all there is leads to enjoying material possessions is all that matters. Do you recognize that I'm actually describing an incredibly powerful view? Are you with me? Just put your hands up, please, if you recognize how powerful this view is. Now we're going to bring it down to earth with some stories. OK Magazine. Hands up if you've heard of OK Magazine. Hands up if you've ever read OK Magazine. Hands up if you've got a PhD studies in OK Magazine. Now, this is an incredibly powerful tract for our culture. And here we have a wonderful story about Katie Price, and I'm not sure who it is, if it's Peter. Is it Peter Andre there? You have knowledge. Is that true? I actually don't think it is. We could have a debate about this. Oh, it's Alex. Oh, it's, do you see what's happening? Do you understand what's happening? This is brilliant. I love you. Do you see we're having a debate? No. Can I just say that I really, I know we, when I first saw this, I was convinced that it was Peter Andre. But I was wrong. It's some other person. It's, is, is he a boxer? Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? 
He's a boxer. Peter Andre. Now, what's Peter Andre? He's a singer, is he? Right. Do you see what's going on here? Yeah, we're generating a bit of the old chat, aren't we? That's very, very important for mission. Here's Katie Price. Now, Katie Price is not renowned for her erudition and learning. That's very unkind. I take that back immediately. But she basically summed up her gospel thus. Let's look at it very carefully and understand it because it's powerful for mission. No one can live without money. No, let me just repeat. No one can live without money. Please indwell her gospel. Money and religion are all the other big things, and that's it. And I stay away from religion. We love to earn money. Who doesn't? It, look at this. It gets you things, and it's secure. Should, should little alarm bells be going off here? This was actually from an interview in the Daily Telegraph newspaper that I found. I thought, this is diamond. But it got Better when I did, I did some extensive research on Katie Price. And I discovered more things about Katie. Do you know why, why I do this? Because I find so many people love talking about this kind of thing. Are you with me? Unlike talking about the calling of the first four disciples. Do you see? Are you with me? that we have to enter people's world and plunder it and use it. Because it's, all, it's also fascinating as well. Look at this one here. This is my, I love this one. One of Katie's business lines has been getting married. I, I think that's, do you not find that funny? Come on, chuckle. One of Katie's business lines has been getting married. She sold the rights to her wedding to Peter Andre for 1.75 million to OK Magazine. She is worth 45 million pounds. I want to say, well done, Katie. I, I'm being what we call ironic. But you see, why do I do this for mission? Because this is something people enjoy chatting about. Are you with me? It's not embarrassing. We go from what people don't find embarrassing, they love talking about, we build bridges into the gospel story. So here's, here's my thesis that you might not have thought about, is that Katie Price follows, do you remember the name of that philosopher? Very, very good. Very, very good. And it's about her, his, her worldview and it's about a lot of money. How much is she worth? Is she really worth, someone, is she really worth 45 million? Isn't that a horrible way of speaking about anybody? Am I just worth two bob? I'm saying this to you, that I say this in mission, that Katie Price is a gifted evangelist and she has many followers today. What does it mean to follow her God? Well, here's a, a tragic story about a woman I won't show you the picture of her, because it's quite, it's quite raunchy. But she said, my obsession with looking like Jordan has left me 30,000 pounds in debt, but I won't stop having surgery, she said. 
I break down in tears, worrying about my debts. But when I look in the mirror, look at this, and can almost see Jordan staring back, I know it's worth it. Do you see what's going on here is that Jordan, Katie Price, is an extremely effective evangelist. And here is one of her disciples. There could have been four people, Paris Hilton, Katie Price, and other friends, you know, calling this woman because she wants to be like them. And she spent all this money on plastic surgery. I think it's sad, isn't it? It's, for me, it's, it's tragic. Because she's, you know what she's doing? She's sacrificing to her God. Now, this is controversial. Some football clubs follow Hobbes. I'll put a, a particular club up there. <laughs> very, very naughty. I do apologize if any of you are Chelsea fans. We live in a broken world. Just get over it. But football clubs do follow Hobbes. So we have to unmask it. And Robbie Fowler talks like that. You know, get out of the park. Hey, you walk. That's great. That. Robbie Fowler, he used to be a fantastic sniffer for England and Liverpool. Have you, have you heard of Robbie Fowler? You know, he's got 100 houses. And at Anfield, they used to sing this song. We all live in a Robbie Fowler house. A Robbie Fowler house. A Robbie Fowler house. Because he's got 100 houses, which he rents out to people. And he's worth a fortune. But he said this. That's the problem with football. It's ruthless, and so are the people involved in it. Look at this. Very perceptive. You are a commodity. And you can be treated in the most awful manner if they think it can help them in the slightest way. Do you see, Robbie Fowler has noticed just how influential Hobbes is. And we need to help people to understand this way of thinking and living. Hands up if you've heard of Paris Hilton. Again, a great quote, Barbie is my role model. She might not do anything, but she looks good doing it. There is some great wisdom to be learned from Paris Hilton. But you know, Paris Hilton, this is where I'm going to start to get into my, you know, hopefully being Isaiah. She has a lot more money than Katie Price. And she has made millions from making friendship into a commodity. And she's got a program called Best Friends Forever. Best friends forever. Would you be my friend? Would you be my friend? Who's going to be my friend? And they have quizzes. And she makes them do things that are embarrassing. Because, you know, you're going to be my friend at the end of the show. She's made friendship into a commodity. And as a result of it, she's made literally hundreds of millions of pounds by following the money God. And so what I want to do is unmask the idolatry, help people to see that these gods deceive people, and they make their lives a misery. She's also a keen ferret lover, and this is where I do have some respect for Paris. I, I like ferrets. I, I, particularly if you're Yorkshire, you should respect ferrets, because one of our finest hobbies is men, in particular, who put ferrets down their trousers. And the world record for this is 
two ferrets for five hours and 32 minutes. So here we have something I can really applaud in Paris, that she likes ferrets. But in my view, Paris is almost identical to Katie. She worships the money god. And there are other gods she worships, but primarily it's the money god. Because both these women are incredibly astute and immoral business people. They will do anything to make money. And I have a deep problem with that as a Christian. This is an even more terrifying story. I don't know if she knows Katie Price or follows Paris Hilton, but this young American woman in 2009, she attempted to auction her virginity to pay for a master's degree in family and marriage therapy, and bidding went as high as 2.5 million. The story is this, her sister had got through college by working for three weeks as a high-class escort girl. And Natalie was inspired by her. And that's the, I've got to say it to you in the cheesy American accent. She comes to us here at the Bunny Ranch with a very, very special gift. Natalie is a virgin and would like to sell this. Do you see what's going on here? How we make sexuality into something you can buy and sell. So here's some questions I think we need to ask people. Is she serving a false god? I think that's a really good question. Will she be a good family therapist? What, what do you think? Think about it. What kind of a family and marriage therapist will she become? And is she being rational? Now, I want to bring this home to you by showing how these stories are incredibly powerful for mission. Uh, with one of my colleagues at Wysox, we do some street evangelism. And we go out uh, Headingley Road, and we bump into students like this. He probably had a few too many tizers. Are you with me? 14 tizers and a bag of crisps. And you end up a bit like this. If it's not Tizer, it's Dandelion and Burdock. Anyway, I was talking to this young woman. Are you with me? This is a real situation. And I, I told her these stories about Katie Price, Paris Hilton, and Thomas Hobbes for about half an hour. She said, this is absolutely fascinating. She said, it's absolutely fascinating. I've never heard this before. Watch this. She then went away, and I thought, oh, blown it. She went away for two minutes, went back and had, had a hot chocolate. Hope that doesn't offend you. She came back to me and she said, Mark, but, you know, she knew my name, Mark, this conversation has been so fascinating, I've got to finish it. Now, you've been having a go at Katie in Paris a lot, and I get all that. What do you believe? I said, well, I actually, I, I don't follow the money God. I realized quite a long time ago that this God will betray you. And there are many gods you can serve, but I have found Christ is the true God. I told her my testimony, and, and I said, can I pray for you? She says, yes. I prayed for her. And it was just brilliant, because I felt it wasn't cheesy, it wasn't embarrassing, I'd shared my testimony, 
and I'd prayed for her, and I'd also had a great time talking about Paris Hilton. So how do we follow Jesus? Well, there are many, many ways to follow Jesus. I'm just giving you one angle, okay? There are many things that you are doing where you are following Jesus. But I'm just suggesting telling stories and asking questions is an important feature of both discipleship and outreach. I did a mission in a Cumbrian pub with seven hostile atheists. And I was scared. Are you with me? I was scared because they're aggressive. And, and they, they, they basically have fangs. And they had blood on them. And they called themselves, Kandlakola, hello there, my darling. I was terrified of them because they were menacing. They were aggressive. You with me? So I went in there, and I basically, I'm going to summarize my talk, and then I'm going to tell you the response I got. I basically talked about a human trafficker called Ludwig Tarzan Feinberg. And he's a celebrity Israeli trafficker. And in the 1990s, he attempted to purchase a Russian submarine to help him smuggle cocaine. That's, that's well, if you wanted to buy a submarine, that's, that's the one you could buy for $5 million. He said this, you can buy a woman for $10,000 and make your money back in a week if she is pretty and young, and then everything else is profit. Now, this bit's a bit shocking, but it's not. He then said, in Russia, it's quite normal for men to slap women. It is cultural. It is part of life. I told this story. And I said to them, what is Tarzan's faith? What does he believe? Uh, and they were talking about it. And we're having a really good discussion about Tarzan and his beliefs. And then one of the guys, and I summarized it for them. Everything is just physical. We are just machines. So as a bag of chemicals, you're worth between $3.99. If, you, if you're slim, you're $3.99. If you're tubby like me, you're $7.99. Because I've got a few more chemicals in me because I'm a bit tubby. Do you get the idea? We're just worth what the chemicals make us up to be. So girls can be bought and sold on this view. And Tarzan, do you see, Tarzan is living in this story. It's a more extreme view, but it's, it's essentially the same story as Katie and Paris. Are you with me? But he's more extreme. And I asked some questions to them. Um, should Tarzan follow his heart? Think about that. I'm giving them options. I'm making them think about Tarzan. Should he follow Hobbes and commodify young girls? Or should he follow his horoscope? Or what about should he repent of his sins and follow Jesus? Now, what do you see what I'm doing there? The traditional evangelical way to say, follow Jesus. But what I'm trying to say is actually, if you look at the other options, it's actually far more powerful because you're engaging them with real beliefs that people in our culture have. And there was an American atheist there, not, not this bloke here. I'm not joking. He said, you know, Mark, Mark, you know, Mark Tarzan, he is an incredibly good entrepreneur. 
I really admire Tarzan because he's just doing good business. <laughs> and the other, the other atheists were incredibly shocked because this man was really thinking about this idea that we're just physical, we're just machines, so just buy and sell people. This might surprise you, and I'd love to know what Mark thinks about this. I have adopted this approach with a mission I did to about 30 men on the margins. Are, are you with me, what I'm talking about? These are men who are struggling with drug abuse, alcohol abuse, those kinds of issues. And I did a presentation with them about Tarzan about children being sold and about Hobbes, and then I talked about the gospel, and I got an amazing response from these blokes who are not educated, but they understand the issues that in our society, human trafficking is such a huge issue, isn't it? All over the world, there are women, mainly women and children who are being trafficked and what I think is really helpful is to make people think about the beliefs of those who are doing the trafficking. And the tragedy is they're just a bit more committed than the more respectable face of Paris Hilton and Jordan. I want to show you now how you can use this approach to give you an example of how you can use this approach to witness to a football fan. Do we have any football fans here? Okay, if we had time, we'd, I'd ask you which clubs you support. I was driving along in my car with a friend of mine who is a football fan, and I really wanted to talk to him about Christ. Are you with me? Have you ever had that feeling? So I said to him, I, I, I said to him, who is your favorite player? And he said to me, Maradona. See how it's going? Question, yeah, question. Maradona. So I said, Maradona, he is absolutely brilliant. See, I'm honoring the conversation. He is a great player. I said to him, do you know, my favorite player is somebody you've probably never heard of because he's from Azerbaijan. He's a bloke called Glenn Hoddle. Let me tell you about Glenn Hoddle. Silky, smooth, wonderful passer, caressed the ball around the park, on his chest, you know, just talking about something we loved. Then I just said to him, oh, do you know how Glenn uh, became manager of England? What? He said, what? He said, yeah, he became the manager of England. He wasn't just the top player, but he was sacked. This is me. He was sacked. Do you know why he was sacked? My friend said, no, was, was, he, was he embezzling money? Uh, was he, you know, having an affair? It was just really great. No, no, he was sacked because he said disabled people are being punished for something they did in a previous life. And my friend went, pardon? What do you, what do you mean? Punished? Yeah, there are some people who believe that disabled people are being punished because they're cursed. That's the story. And in fact, if we had time, I'd read out to you. You know, you have to come back to learn and face some. Basically, Glenn Hoddle said, disabled people are getting what they deserve. Do you, do you remember this story? 1998. He was sacked for saying this. 
And the Times of India, London correspondent, said this, Hoddle's views are fairly mainstream in India and certainly would not have been cause for his sacking. We had a lovely, lovely chat. And then I said to him, let me tell you what I think. He asked me, what do you think about karma? Did you see? Hoddle sacked for believing in karma. Do you get the idea? Disabled people, why are disabled pe people disabled? Do you understand the logic? Because in a previous life, they had cheated on their tax returns. That's, that's the logic of it. So I said to him, with karma, you get what you deserve. Reincarnation in a rat or a disabled person. With Jesus, you get what you don't deserve. God's love, the forgiveness of your sins, and eternal life. And he turned to me and he said, wow, I've never thought of that. But it was a very easy speech act. We could slightly change it to this. With karma, you get what you deserve. Reincarnation in a ferret or an England fan. With Jesus, you get what you don't deserve. God's love, the forgiveness of your sins, and eternal life. And I could have said to my friend from Azerbaijan, as an England supporter, if I was a Hindu, I would believe I had a bad karma because the team always loses. But what I want him to do is I want him to understand the biblical teaching of grace. Now, bear with me, bear with me. If I just go straight in there and say, you need to know about Jesus and grace, what would have happened? That's it. He would, the normal thing is people just switch off. But by giving a story, questions, looking at karma and then comparing karma with grace, he went, oh, that's really interesting. The other thing I wanted to talk about is I haven't had time to talk about telling inspiring stories. Most of my stories have been a bit, well, seedy, <laughs> sordid, dark, menacing, a bit like Count Dracula. Hello there, my darling. But we need to have also some really positive stories. I'll end on this. One of the stories I love to share with people, Christian and non-Christian, is the story of Nima Craft's founder, Susie Hart. Have any of you heard of this amazing woman? Uh, she won the MBE. She was woman of the year. She's on the right. And it's a famous pop singer. What's her name? Very good. You're so good. I'm brilliant. You are. Annie Lennox, that's right. They both won in different categories, Women of the Year. Anyway, this woman is amazing. She basically was in Tanzania, and she was met, met lots of deaf men, mainly deaf men, who had a stigma and couldn't get jobs. So she trained them uh, to turn elephant excrement, I do apologize for that, into handicrafts. So this job is about taking elephant excrement. No, no, it's serious. It's a serious, it's a serious business, this. Turning this into wonderful handicrafts. And this company now employs 123 deaf and disabled people. Isn't that amazing? And they even have a football team made up 
of deaf people at an award-winning cafe entirely staffed by deaf people. And it all comes out of her Christian faith. And, and I, lo I love this story. Just a quick story before we end. This man here was in a car crash and he broke both his legs and he couldn't feed his family. He was on the point of suicide and then he was taken to Nima Crafts where he was given a job and he was trained to be a weaver. And within a year, he was a fully qualified, brilliant weaver and he used to race to work with a smile on his face in his wheelchair. Isn't that a wonderful story of restoration? So we need these stories which are inspiring and heartwarming and delightful. But then we need to start asking questions about these heartwarming stories. And here's a question for you. How is Susie Hart's faith different from Paris Hilton's faith? Now, do you know, most Christians would say this. Susie Hart has faith, yeah? But Paris Hilton doesn't have faith. That's the normal stock response. The Christian, the Muslim, the Buddhist, they have faith, but a secular person like Paris Hilton has no faith. I want to say that is completely wrong. Everybody has faith. Everybody puts their faith in something. But we have to find out what they are putting their faith in. We have to help people to understand that these false gods, they mug you and they ruin your lives. And then when we've done that, we can talk about faith in Jesus. Because he is the one by whom God has made everything, including the ferrets and the football. So we can confidently proclaim our faith after we've unmasked the false gods. And I'm suggesting the best way of doing it is through Paris Hilton, Katie Price. But if you don't like those stories, reject them and find your own. Find stories that you are comfortable with, get people to think about them, and then when you've done enough of that, you can talk about Jesus. But please, if you just talk about Jesus without any of this getting them to think about their beliefs, most people have a, they look at you as if you're a nutter. Have you ever had that? That's not good. Now at Reality Bites, we have been working on a course called Talking About Faith. And I'm hoping to do it again in April. It's really seven sessions about how to understand stories, but also the beliefs behind stories. And I've spent a lot of time working on this course, but it's really about stories for both mission, but also for discipleship. Because I believe if you've got young people going to university, and they haven't thought about Paris Hilton and Katie Price, they often lose their faith. I'm going to rephrase that. They switch their faith. Because we have to help young people to understand the world in the light of Jesus. Not only telling them about Jesus, but saying, 
let's look at disability, let's look at football, let's look at whatever, underwater basket weaving, and let's try to understand the world in the light of Jesus. Let's just now pray. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.